welcome to another episode of Avatar, The Last Korra. Not my cabbage corp! My David. cabbages! We're, no. uh, we're talking about uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Korra. We're the only recap that's doing both at the same time, comparing and contrasting. <laughs> it's your so man, David. crazy. And I'm Hannah. Um, we're, we're back to usual for this week where we're talking about Avatar first and then we'll dig into some Legend of Korra episodes. What episodes are we talking about, David? This is, it's Katara week around here. It's Katara's <laughs> time. It's the waterbending scroll and jet. Yeah, this is a lot of Katara. Now it's that Katara you it. time, Hannah, because Katara is the god. <laughs> she runs the show. She runs the show? Who runs the world? Katara. Katara. Uh, so um, first, we got pirates, man. We're, we're doing pirates in this end. Yeah, so so the big lesson in the water... What is the big lesson in the waterbending scroll, David? Uh, sometimes you're too busy arguing uh, and your ship sets sail without you? <laughs> no. Um, it's that stealing is wrong. Unless it's Unless from it's pirates. From pirates. That's the big moral of this episode. Um, but <laughs> but really, it's it's about having patience with other people and with yourself. Um, that's yeah, the big it's, a, thing it's that about Katara not being jealous of other people's accomplishments because they don't diminish your own. Totally. Um, so basically, the gang, Aang's freaking out about learning waterbending and, and, or really all of the elements because now we've got this crazy pressure ticking time bomb um mm-hmm. and katara offers to start teaching Aang some water bending while they're on their way to the north pole um so and wouldn't you know what he's a natural he's, he's a, a natural, natural ladies and gentlemen he's got it and he is not only picking up the moves she's teaching him but she he's doing them better than she could and she's finding it really really annoying and frustrating um, yeah, which is, you know, like, I'm not super bothered in Korra that she, you know, instantly masters three elements and then has trouble with a, a fourth one. Yeah. I mean, that that's not, like, totally out of the realm. Um, that's that's pretty simple, straightforward. Yeah. But, like, uh, you know, like, it has precedent in this, which is that airbending and waterbending, pretty similar concepts. One deals with freedom and the other one with balance. And monks are both pretty free and pretty balanced. Mm-hmm. So, you're doing all right. You can do both. Get yourself a man who can do both. Dose. The Avatar. Yeah. Uh, get Avatar. So, um, they they head to market to get food because they accidentally waterbend their food down a river, and that's when they run into the pirates. Or is they Welcome like to the, the pirate store. <laughs> Everybody's fine with it for some reason. I, I love these guys. They're such, like, over-the-top characters, but they're, they're great. They're just pirates. They're just pirates. They're awesome. With, um, a, with a parrot who's also a lizard. I, it's, it's awesome. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I just like how they're so obvious about being pirates, but, like, there's no, like, police checking on their goods traitors. or, like, anything like that. And it's to the point, it's so obvious that Sokka literally just goes, you guys are pirates, and they're like, we prefer to think of ourselves as not pirates. Arr, 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 arr. As high-risk traders. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're pirates. It's, it's the pirates. Um, but it's great, like, that they can just have these one-off villains, like, yeah. 
that just come out of nowhere and you know they don't have any loyalty to the fire nation but they're just you know they're just out to to get our heroes right they're just out there to make some money and our heroes happen to come across them um ang buys a a bison whistle so that's that's a thing now um Mm -hmm. and katara steals a waterbending scroll because she really wants to learn waterbending but her excuse is well those guys stole it first um, which is which is very fair, actually. It is fair, but it's it's still. It's like kind imagine of if you found like an old lady with a bunch of Nazi gold, you know, or like <laughs> she probably Holocaust shouldn't have diamonds. That. Yeah, you, know? you just yeah. take it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> you just take it. You just so, take it. So they they come after them and they're fighting them. Um, it belongs in a museum, Hannah. <laughs> We destroy some more cabbages, uh, and then and then we we get out of dodge, um, and not yep. uh, too long later, Zuko shows up there and with with Iroh because Iroh forces them to divert their path for uh, a white lotus tile for his pie show board, which is like set a, up. It's early setup for stuff. Yeah, they they really knew where they were going with Iroh. Like, yeah, I think they pretty much had that one mapped out from day one. Uh, it's Zuko, amazing, maybe not though. so much. Maybe they played around with his his. But direction. I think that's fine because he had a like malleable direction, you know. Um, exactly. And yeah. I think it's those unknown and unknowable choices that he has to make that make mm-hmm. his arc so exciting. Exactly. Um, but so they show up to the shopping place. They go to the pirate ship. They find out that there was a bald monk with uh, a water tribe girl. And he's like, let's team up and get them back. I'll pay you handsomely. Yes. So. so but everything Zuko camp. does, he does handsomely. Am I right? Am I right, oh, ladies? Oh, hey. I mean, you're <laughs> not wrong. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Speaking of which, so, this is the origin of Zutara. This is the Zutara episode. This is truly the beginning of Zutara. Like, there were some whispers of it when he finds her necklace in the last one, but this episode is really where, like, all of the ships were launched. Um, I mean, he's just getting awfully handsy. I think that's really all it, all it, all it is. It's just yeah. that he's a little handsy with his captive lady friend. Well, and he keeps saying all these things in this, like, weirdly kind of, like, seductive, like, bizarre voice to her. And everyone's like, is this, is this romance? And No, it's just him being no. evil. And he, like, yeah. thinks this is what being evil is. So he's Listen. like, I found your necklace. It'd be a all shame if something happened to it. All the Zutara shippers have Raylo now. Like the world's fine. <laughs> like, They've grown up. Yeah, it's it's not surprising. Um, <laughs> regardless, um, Katara is like, okay, Ang, you can totally have the water bending scroll after I figure out this one move. It's called the water whip. And that becomes the only named waterbending move that we know of for, like, so long that it's the only That's move anyone true, ever does. Yep, it's super true. Everything else is, they just, like, do the moves. They don't, what like, the shout octopus? them anime style. But that's not till season two. Is it? I thought it happened at the... No. Hmm. 
And I guess yeah. healing has a name, which healing? is healing. So there's healing, but we haven't even really gotten to healing yet. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's a ways and, away. And there's the water whip. And those were the only two things that people could name in fan fiction, and it was great. <laughs> the water whip. Um, the water whip. So she's really bad at it, and she gets really frustrated, and she accidentally hits Momo, um, and she yells at Aang. Uh, and Aang like starts tearing up because his mommy is like yelling at him, his and he doesn't understand crush. why. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, honey." Uh, and then it's fine, and she apologizes and is like, "I'll never use this scroll again. It's all yours, Aang." But later that night, she sneaks with it out of camp and is practicing by herself. Uh, and she's being kind of loud while Zuko and the pirates are looking <laughs> She's being kind of loud. Um, I actually really liked how they tracked her down, which is like, <laughs> Zuko just goes, well, she's using a waterbending scroll, right? And the pirate's like, yeah. So she'll be near water. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's like, that is pretty good <laughs> logic there. Yeah, it's... Can't fault you for that. Um, and so he was just like, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, he gets them. They got gets, get. They get yeah, got. Yeah, so, so the pirates start attacking Katara, and she's running around. And uh, then you get Zuko grabbing her by the arms and going, I'll save you from the pirates. And fan girls everywhere swooned. Um and I rolled my eyes. <laughs> um, and, sw- and swooned a little bit, admit it. Yeah. Admit it. No. He's charming. He's charming-ish, but like... He's brutish. It's fine. You can you can fix him. <laughs> you can fix him. So, um, yeah, so then, you know, that's when everybody else gets captured. And so, then they, they have a pirate standoff. Yeah, well, so Zuka takes the waterbending scroll off of Katara. He's got her necklace and is kind of taunting her about it, being like, oh, you can have your necklace back if, uh, if you tell me where the Avatar is. But then they find him anyway. And uh, Katara yells to the captured Sakenang, I'm so sorry, this is all my fault. And Aang goes, no, it's okay, it's not your fault. And Iroh, just spilling the real tea, goes, uh, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> Like, it sort of is your fault. Definitely yeah, all your fault. Yeah, there's a pirate fault. standoff, and you never want to get into a pirate standoff because no. uh, pirates will they'll trick you. Um, well, Sokka but, tricks the pirates because he's like, yeah, that kid's the, the Avatar. Thing. You can get way more yeah. money from him from like on the black market than selling them to this guy for like that stupid scroll. Like, yeah. Come on. So then they get to arguing, and then everybody escapes, and then they you know fly off on Appa, and all is well. <laughs> Basically, I guess. Uh, I don't think there's anything, like, really that important that happens in the rest of the episode. Like, for yeah, this point, I mean, we've learned fight. our lesson. There's some good action sequences. Um, Aang's bison whistle comes in handy, and we learn that it can... It's basically a dog whistle, but for flying bison. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I guess Katara and Aang work together to waterbend the boat around. Yes, because yes. teamwork boat. makes the dream work. Yeah, um, and, you know, why be jealous of your avatar friend when, you know, you can do the water whip now, you know? Yeah, and there's you some practice genuine... hard enough. There's some genuine comedy, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's good. 
So they fly off. Stealing is wrong, unless it's from pirates. The last words of the episode. Um, and then we have Jet, which is another Katara episode. But it's also it's a Sokka also very episode. much a Sokka episode, though. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's more of a Sokka episode than a Katara one, but Katara still plays a pretty significant role in it. Katara plays a significant role because the Katara shipping just never ends. Yeah, Katara. What do you gets think? Do you think like shipping with Katara moves. is like more or less offensive than like the love triangle in 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 Korra? Ugh, I don't know. Because like Katara just has like a bunch of like one-off love interests. Like we didn't really talk about it with Haku last time. Right. Not Haku. But... What is his name? Haru. Haru. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he was kind of a love interest, too. They go on a long romantic walk. <laughs> right. He defends her honor against the warden. Yeah, it's like, you know, Katara's just going it's around implied. having, like, one-off flings with people. But, like, it's, I don't know, the show never frames it as a bad thing or anything. Um, and, like, Sokka no, had I mean, his one-off I'm not saying that the too. show frames it as a bad thing. I'm saying that the show devotes a lot of screen time to just... This, like, crowd of boys that are into Katara. <laughs> Just a boy crowd. It is a boy crowd. Um, like, does that not get distracting after a while? Because you said that, like, the, the love triangle stuff is, like, distracting and not it, it, you know it's not going anywhere and you know how it's going to end up, so what's the point? Well, that's the thing with the love triangle and Korra is that because it's with all these main characters, it feels like it's supposed to go somewhere, but then it just actually doesn't. You know, like with Katara's, it's like, this is like in the same way that there's a one-off plot, there's a one-off love interest. You know, it's like, fine, this is entertaining. You can't really get invested in that because like, you know, Jet's not going to be a main character. But I mean, I, I mean, I guess we didn't, but then by the end of the episode we do, but also by that point, everything's been resolved, you know? Like, sure. like, everything gets resolved, whereas, like, the Korra love triangle stuff feels like it gets resolved, but then isn't every time you think it is, and it's just weird. That's a good point, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. This one's all about what it means to be the leader, though. Um, the episode Jet, where they're in the woods, and Sokka's like, I'm the leader, and Katara's like, why? Um, well, Katara she, says the line, like, you know, yeah. why do boys always think that there needs to be a leader? And I think that's, that's that's a very fair point. I agree. I think it's a super fair point. But I also think it's so weird that she follows it up with the sentence, have you ever even kissed a girl? Like, those two things are related at all. Like, yeah, that was a weird, that was a weird one. It feels like, do you even lift, bro? Like... Like, what are you talking about? Like, leaderliness is associated with manliness, and that's associated with, like, Mackinac girls. Like, I don't know. Just, it's just strange. Yeah, and he doesn't even, like, end the episode by, like, kissing Smellerby or whatever. So, like, <laughs> that arc doesn't resolve at all. No, it doesn't. Um, but we know he's kissed a girl, technically, sort of. Cause yeah, I guess it's just an in-joke for fans. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um... So they they are traveling based on Sokka's instincts now because he says that they keep finding uh, Aang and Qatar. They keep finding the group because they're flying on Appa, who's very noticeable, um, which is a fair point. The I point think. is they they run into it. Doesn't really matter how they run into him, but they run into the freedom fighters, the yeah, fighters they, of freedom. I mean, they the fighters for freedom. A, a camp. Uh, they meet these freedom fighters. They take down the the fire 
soldiers. I, I wanted to call them fire Nazis. Um, Let's just call them fire Nazis for the rest of the for the rest the of the podcast. show. Great. Yeah. Um, so the fire Nazis, and uh, you know, Jet's very suave, and he's a leader of like these whole like Lost Boy crew. Um, I mean, and... he literally has a piece of straw sticking out of his mouth at all times. Yeah, he's to very signify cool. country manliness. Yeah, it's... he's he's the Marlboro man. He's <laughs> he's like cigarettes. Tom Sawyer mixed with Peter Pan, kind of. You know, he's Tom um, Pan. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Sawyer. Um, that just sounds like a dude who has a law form. Um, Peter Sawyer, attorney at at law. Jet. <laughs> Um, um, but so they go to his full, cool, fun treehouse, and he, you know, Sokka's not really impressed and is feeling kind of yeah. emasculated by this guy, uh, but Katara's, like, swooning all over the place and is like, Jet's amazing, he's so cool, and, like, you know, yeah. Jet I don't know reveals... if it's, it's not really played as, like, I mean, like, Sokka's ego is hurt a little bit, but he's pretty much ready to go on, like, a mission with Jet as soon as Jet's like, you want to come on a mission? And he's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, Jet is smart. Like, he knows how to play people. And at first, he's able to play Sokka and is able to say, right. oh, Sokka, it's so sad that you want to go. Like, I could really use you on a mission. Like, you're such a great warrior. And, you know, Sokka's ego, again, is like, I am a great warrior. All right, I'll go with this guy. Like, right. someone recognizing but I think, me. Like, the clear thing is, um, and, and we'll get to this when we get to Korra, but, like, Sokka has a very good reason to be suspicious of Jet, which is that he watches him mug and rob an old man. Yeah. And then, like, threaten to kill him and be like, you, you want this, you son of a bitch? You better fucking run, you <laughs> son of a bitch, fire nation bitch! Well, like, he goes Jet, crazy on this yeah. old man. Jet has, He's a like, lunatic. Jet is a lunatic. He's got a thing against the fire nation because he tells Katara that his parents were killed. By the Fire Nation, and Katara's like, "Yep, my mom too." Just reiterating that for people. Now that I've got my necklace back, um, <laughs> and you know, like later when Sokka tries to tell Katara and Aang what happened, they're like, "Let's talk to Jet," and he's like, "Well, <laughs> he was a Fire Nation assassin. Did Sokka not mention that to you?" And they're like, "No, like, he no, he wasn't. He, he, he was just an old guy." Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> so then Sokka spies on the people and they're planning the bad thing. They're gonna and blow he catches up them a planning dam. the bad thing. They're gonna blow up the dam and flood the town and kill innocent people along with the Fire Nation soldiers, do some light terrorism. Katara and Aang are tricked into helping and they don't know. They find out. Katara gets mad. There's a cool fight scene, chase sequence with Jet and Aang. Um <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, Katara has her woman scorned moment and freezes Jet to a tree with some cool water bending. Yeah. Uh, but it's too it's late. Like, it's like her, her, you know, standing up to the, you know, the, the boyfriend who lied to her. Because mm-hmm. she really fell for him, like, really quickly. Super like, hard. They had this incredible. <laughs> scene where he's like come up to my treehouse just grab my sweet bod oh, and they and zip line up in like sepia tones with sparkles in pastels and yeah. yeah it's super <laughs> super yeah she is swooning zip um, line up to my love nest yeah 
So then, you know, the moral of this episode is terrorism is wrong because it hurts innocent people, even if your enemies like, in like evil, like don't don't hurt innocents, basically. Yeah, and like um, if you're kind to someone, uh, it'll pay off in in the future. You know, because Sokka isn't able to is stop nice the, to the dam old man that they robbed, up. and so. And so the old man sticks up for him when he's trying yeah. to save the whole city. Yeah. So he, he evacuates the town, um, and Jet's pissed off, but Sokka's like, no, Jet, you're fucking evil and crazy. Yeah, Don't I think Katara is not only mad because Jet turns out to be a psycho, but also because Jet used her yes. to com- to try and commit an act of terrorism. Because right. Katara and uh, Aang are the ones who fill the reservoir with water so they can flood the town. Mm-hmm. They didn't stop them from fr- from flooding the town. Uh, no, but they get everyone out of the town. And the girl gets her doll back. Yeah, Mrs. Pretty. Mrs. Pretty. She's not great at names. No, but it's it's great. I, it's fine. Whenever I see that scene, for some reason, I think of the scene from Mulan, which has also a doll, um, where like the <laughs> the the Hun guy, he, yeah. like picks up the doll. And he's like, a little girl must be missing her doll. That's and then later on, you see the doll like crushed in the dirt. Yeah, and it's implied that the little girl's dead. Yeah. But this little girl's alive and gets the doll. She is alive. Um, So, you know, the gang flies off and and they learn that, you know, sometimes you should trust Sokka and his instincts, that he's not so bad a leader after all. Uh, And then he flies off in the wrong direction and then he goes in the right direction. I think easily the best part of this episode is that whistle, that creepy whistle that Jet does. Oh, like the bird call thing? Yeah, because he's like, you know, he's like a... He's like a man of the woods type. He's yeah. like Robin Hood, except for yeah. if Robin Hood was a psychopathic terrorist. Evil um, Robin Hood. Yeah, but that's what's so like great about him is he like embodies these tropes of like the hero that we you know he's he's Robin Hood, he's Tom Sawyer, and he's Peter Pan all wrapped mm-hmm. up in one with his like lost boy, <laughs> lost boy, like, uh, merry men. Yeah, like he's a way more interesting terrorist than Amon. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then also all of his, like, his gang of, of like, friends, they're all cool, they're all too, great. except for Sneers. Fuck Sneers. <laughs> Which one is Sneers? Exactly. He's the only right. one that doesn't come back, and the only one where the only thing you see him do is eating. Okay. Yeah, we uh, get But, but we there's Smeller B, the most guy. interestingly named character in all the world. Hell Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Duke, the Duke and Pipsqueak. Tiny dude. Pipsqueak, Pipsqueak a giant is a giant guy. dude. Yeah. And then Longbow, who's a skinny dude who's really good at shooting arrows. That was Longshot. Longshot, that's what I mean, not Longbow. Yeah. It's close. But, you know, he's got a Longbow. <laughs> he's got a Longbow. Um, yeah, overall, you know, these are some sort of, like, we're still progressing the plot, you know, Past the no, we're not. It's reveal. really standalone. We're in standalone it's... zone right now. Waterbending yeah. scroll was standalone. This is standalone. But like reintroducing characters from standalone episodes doesn't make them not standalone episodes. No, no, no. I know that. I'm not saying like Jet's not a standalone, but um, I, I, I see Jet more as a standalone than the Waterbending scroll, just because 
Eh, well, I guess it's really just the beginning where, like, Aang's panicking. Yeah, yeah, these are basically just more kind of filler. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's not that it's filler. It's, I mean, it's standalone, which sure. it's episodic. Yes. And, you know, each episode just is a self-contained story that tells, like, a moral tale, progresses character, tells you something new about the plot. And that's beautiful. I love that so much. Yeah. It's really but, good. Yeah. Um, oh, I never got to the thing about the whistle. So, like, Jet whistles to, like, signal to his friends to blow up the dam. And it's so spooky the way that they do it and the way it's shot. Because he's just this, like, psychopath that they have, like, tied to a chair. Uh, you know, frozen figuratively. He's actually frozen to a tree. But And then he just, like, whistles. And it's like, it's too late. I already murdered everyone. Because they're dirty, dirty Fire Nation. They're collaborators. Kill them all. Yeah. It's, um, oh, God, it's like... It's good. It's a good episode. Yeah, it's like when the Joker is, like, locked up in prison, but he's like, I already blew him up because I got my guys on the outside. I want my right. phone call, you know? Right. That's what it's like. It's yeah. badass. Cora. Cora, today we're talking about episodes seven and eight, the aftermath, and when extremes meet. Um, so the aftermath is the aftermath of, and the winner is. <laughs> right. So the aftermath is like supposed to be like, man, this was some like, like really like gravity shifting events that happened in the last episode. Not really. I mean, Lynn resigns, but like her no, resignation not, not is not in so the aftermath. No, no, no. She resigned in the, the first one or not the first one. No, she one. resigns I mean, the, and the in, at is. the end of the, the episode aftermath. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, so after and the winner is, uh, Lynn is still a cop, but she's had made like a big mistake. She she fucked up the uh the the sports ball game. Um but in this one, she's conducting an investigation on the corporate the the corporate people who are providing weapons to these these nut jobs and mm-hmm. then she fucks that up too. And that's when she gets kicked off the force or resigns from the force and says, I'm going to take matters into my own hands outside the law. Yeah. Cause she's a hardened criminal on the edge. Doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just, I hate people who abdicate power because they're like, I have to do this outside of the law. And it's like, okay, what? It also doesn't make any sense for her character who like has such a fucking like follow the rules hard on. It's like, yeah, she hates Cora because Cora like, you know, works outside the law. So, but I would work outside the law better. Yeah, it's stupid. But the whole point is, like, the only thing that was really dynamically changed from the events, like, the only thing that we're really experiencing the aftermath of is, like, <laughs> um, Bolin and uh, Mako can no longer live in the gym. Yeah. That's, that's so Mako's it. like, I'll, I'll move in with my girlfriend who I've known for six days and her I dad. Know. It's literally wild. Um, but also, like, Korra just, like, hates Asami again. Like, she's always been sort of, like, grossed out by the relationship, but has never been, like, particularly, like, mean to Asami, necessarily. But suddenly she's like, ugh, this girl, Asami, ugh. Just, like, hates everything about her. And just keeps acting like Asami is so privileged and so rich. But it's, well, like, Well, you have to do that Korra. to show contrast, because, like, she's got to figure out that, like... Oh, she's actually a, 
a bad girl. She's actually a tomboy. So that's <laughs> right. So then so she has value, hot. which like right. sucks as a message, first of all. Um, but well, then, I mean, to be fair, like if she was just a rich girl who likes shopping and makeovers, I don't know if that's necessarily something to strive for. No, I like. I mean, I think that's fair, but I think saying that like you have to be able to like like boy things to have value, like. There are yeah. girl things that she could like, or, you know, it's it's just, like, the tomboyish nature of it. It's like, I'm a, the cool girl. I can hang with the dudes. Like, it feels, I don't know, it feels I like that cool car. girl speech. I drive fast car. Yeah. I, I take karate yeah. class. I drive fast car. I eat hamburgers, but I look like I only eat salads. You know, like, that sort of thing. Um, It's just, Does she like, eat it's hamburgers? annoying. <laughs> I mean, they don't go into her eating habits, but, like, it's that sort of attitude. You know what I'm talking about. Um, sure. I know what you mean. Yeah. But but the also, being, Cora is they're, also they're, they very They have a car privileged. scene of friendship. They have a, a friendship car scene that, in they, later seasons, they'll try and pretend was, like, this really romantic, like, me cute. It wasn't. It was, I like, mean, a friendship scene. Yes, it was a friendship scene, but it was, like, that's the thing, is, like, they build, like, a pretty genuine friendship in this episode, at least in the no, beginning. They, they build what? a tolerance for one another. I don't know, Korra's impressed by her, and, like, Asami has never had anything against Korra, so, like... Yeah, until she starts snooping around. I mean, yes, later, but that's what I'm saying, in the beginning of the episode, like, it really feels like they're building it's a really friendship. It's really just the car scene. I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like, clearly what they're supposed to be doing is they're establishing that we're no longer caring about the love triangle thing. That shit was boring. Now everybody's friends and they're the new team avatar. And I think I think it's the next episode where they first say new team avatar. But in yes, Aftermath... In Aftermath, they're putting together the new team avatar, basically. And it's a, it's a group of four... It's the three of them, and it's Asami. And mm-hmm. Asami, in order to be part of the group, has to form some kind of begrudging friendship with Korra. And that's why there's a car scene. I mean, sure, fine. But, like, I I buy the friendship, you know? Yeah, like, I buy I, it. They, they're like both it. into kicking butt and driving fast cars. Yeah. I got a fast um, car. I got a man with a mom. You gotta make a decision. Also, I hate you know that... Cora, just like I don't know, they they try to set it up like Cora is like this like down to earth girl versus Asami who's so privileged, but it's like literally Cora's also so privileged. Like Cora's been the avatar and had special treatment her entire fucking life, and like has never well, had to worry about money or shelter or like. To return like, to our know. incredibly incisive Aladdin fan fiction that we're constructing. <laughs> Um, yeah. Did you know that um, that Sato calls Mako a street rat in this episode? Yes. That means Sato is Jafar. And so if okay. Sato is Jafar, then maybe Asami is Jasmine. What if they're both Jasmine, though? That's what I'm saying. You like, can't have two Jasmines. I agree. Koro's got to be Abu or the genie. Which is fucked up. <laughs> um, but... That's why I'm saying this is a bad show, because they have two Jasmines, and they're trying to play it off like they don't, and it's stupid, and I don't like Mako's it. Mako's the street rat, though. He's 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 literally the street rat. He's Aladdin. It's it's real. Um, it's canon that 
that Mako is Aladdin. <laughs> anyway, basically, Korra figures out that uh, Asami's dad, Mr. Sato, is in league with Amon. Though the way she does it is kind of stupid and doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Like, she just nope. hears him talking on the phone in the vague terms. He says, we're going to have to strike soon. And she's like, strike soon. Terrorist. Huh. Must be a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> and like, she doesn't even hear, like, we're going to strike soon. The thing that she hears that me- that makes her, like, want to spy is like, <laughs> so everything's going according to plan then. Which is right. something that business people say all the time. All the time. Like, it's such a Stupid, stupid scene. So then she alerts Tenzin and the fucking um, Beifong, and they right. like show and they, up. They to show up and they're him. like, "Are you a terrorist?" And he's like, "Why no? <laughs> what no? Search the premises." Like, and they're like, I'm not "Threat. We've really screwed up this investigation." Not a terrorist, even a little bit. Um, and then Mako is like, how dare you accuse my girlfriend's dad of being a terrorist? Which, like, fair enough. And Asami's like, how dare you accuse my dad of being a terrorist? And and Korra's just, like, completely unapologetic, like, hey, listen, you know? I know. He's a terrorist. I I know this. I know this to be a fact. But then also Mako just makes, like, a terrible ultimatum where it's like, I won't be your friend anymore if you keep saying he's a terrorist. And it's like, okay, fine. Don't be my friend. Like, I don't know. It's just, but it's why? Like that, like that would make sense if she actually knew that he was a terrorist, but she has no evidence or reason to think that he is. Yeah. Um, and then they get the best character in this whole episode, the snitch from Long Island. Uh, <laughs> Listen, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> um, I'm like, I forget. So, like, I literally forgot how this episode went. And, like, this guy showed up and just starts telling them all the information they want to know. And I'm like, you can't trust this guy. Why is he telling you all this? He's clearly, like, it's a, it's a trap. Because like, he, he wanted to be an equalist. Because he wanted to be an equalist, but then he realized that they were taking it too far. And he changed his mind. He wants to help the cops. Yeah. Um. Turns out, no, it was a trap. There's a secret It doesn't tunnel. really make sense as a trap, though. No, not a lot. They, like, outed him. They didn't need to out him as, like, being evil. Like, being a terrorist. Yeah, why does he have to be trap. there at all? He didn't. Um, also, why did they have to do it in his fucking secret workshop? Why would you not just set it up as, Well, like, sure, like, oh, I yeah. guess technically it's it's a lot easier to attack people with your weapons where you make the weapons. And I guess it's... You know, easier to trap people if you have the opportunity to build giant metal doors that slam shut. <laughs> so extra. Um, like, I, I just really want to meet, like, the contractor who, like, put those in. And he's like, so you want the metal doors? You want three of them and you want them to just slam shut automatically? Yeah. Once <laughs> and, again, uh, you all want the... the... You want the big machines that build giant robots over here? <laughs> oh. All the fucking, like, earthbenders in this scene fail because the floor is made of goddamn earth, as we see later when Bolin and Mako break into the secret laboratory. Um, But none of them use the earth on the ground. Well, most of them are are mainly trained to use their Spider-Man powers, and typically those are pretty effective. So, I mean, they've never fought giant robots before. 
that's fair. No excuse for Cora. Like, why at one point did she not just go, hmm, maybe we should get the fuck out of here or just, like, put up a giant shield of, I don't know, Earth? The things that there's an abundance of I think you overestimate exactly how strong, like, Earth is. Like, a shield of Earth in the face of a giant robot. A giant robot punched right through. Right, but, and, like, like if, I don't know how Mako... deep the metal, like, framing of the place goes or, like, how okay, deep the metal but... walls go. But if... Bolin was able to get in there with literally no problem. Like, they should have been able to get out with similarly no problem, you know? How did they get in? I can't remember. They literally just tunnel in. Like, Bolin and Mago tunnel in. Because, this I hate this, too. You know, they're told that they have to wait at the entrance to the secret... Layer, um, and they just attack and like punch out a fucking the guard. Cop. Yeah, he's not a guard; he's a police cop. officer. Yeah, fuck the police. And like they don't go to jail like immediately after. No. Um. So they're they're all gonna go down there, but then Mako's like Asami, you can't you can't do this and. She's like, I have to find out the truth about my father. And then he just goes, that's why I'm going down to find out for you. (laughs) Which totally (laughs) undercuts all of the, like, I've been taking self-defense classes since I was a kid. And, like, I'm a strong female character TM moments from before that she just, like, lets him go. (laughs) Like, it's so stupid. Mako's the worst. I hate him so much. (sighs) Um, um, yeah, it's, it's all dumb. This yeah. introduces, this episode introduces my least favorite part of the entire core mythos. Yeah. Um, and that's platinum. Yeah. Platinum is so dumb. Platinum is just the cute. meta of the Korra universe and it's the worst. It, it's metal that's too pure for metal vendors. Like, why don't they just build all their robots out of hemp? Like, it's <laughs> equally as plausible as that they're all built out of platinum. Because platinum is too pure to bend for the metal bender. God damn it. Just make metal bending less common. Yeah. Like, just make it so maybe it only one or two people one. can metal bend and not very well. You know? It's, like, why does it have to be everyone can metal bend, but there's a certain metal that's magic and so you can't they, bend it? They didn't think this through well enough so they had to come up with metal magic bullshit to well, they clearly the thought problem. about it enough to include it in the first season so like they already knew that they had to put no, in no, this no, meta to were, break it so they were just like, so in you, you love know, with to metal bending cops to metal bending no, no no they were just so in love with metal bending cops that they're like we can't get rid of the metal bending cops i know we'll come up with magic metal armor because I love these Gosh, cops. Like, that's... It's made out of fucking platinum. The, the, the yeah. sick bastards. They're just yeah, so, so bad. Why isn't everything in the world made out of platinum? I Why don't they build even... buildings out of platinum? Because it's better structurally, I guess. yeah. Um, it's indestructible metal. But also there's isn't fucking platinum glass. like you can bite it with your teeth and it bends? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> there's, like, glass on, uh... On... All those things, too. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the point is, like, you can't bend glass. But why right, can't but you, you can bend glass? It. It's just made of sand. You can break glass with fucking rocks or water probably pretty easy, is my guess. Right, but, I mean, like, the point is that it's not entirely made out of glass. Like, there's a weak point, which is why, like, the meta works there. But, like, w- w- 
Just these it's, giant it's robots made of platinum that, like, they're only made of platinum, yeah. so you can't, like, lift them up in the air by, like, stomping your feet really hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. So, so, Mr. Sato and his army of equalist robot fighters capture a bunch of earthbenders. They knock out uh, Beifong, Tenzin, and Korra. Mako and Bolin come to save them. They get caught, too. Then Asami shows up and is like, Dad, what are you... What are you doing? He's and like, he says, I'm Join evil, me, honey. Asami. Join and the together dark side. we can rule Republic City With as an father and boring character. <laughs> uh, and then Asami, they make us think that she's gonna take the glove and be evil. And then she goes, I'm sorry. Dad. I'm a boring I, character, I Zap. <laughs> yeah, and she zaps him. And then she does some she's cool just badass good kicks. Because she's good. Like there's no depth to her character. She doesn't believe in things. She no. doesn't have moral like weight to her decisions. She doesn't she have literally reasons just, for doing anything. She's just a protagonist who's yeah. also there, who, who has things, things happening around her. Because plot. Um, and like but, this whole episode had her being like really indignant and being like, how dare you, you benders, you're always trying to oppress us non-benders just because, mm-hmm. you know, we're not like you, you know, like she's yep. pointing that out throughout the episode that like her family is being targeted by the police, which they are mm-hmm. because Cora has a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't go anywhere. No, She's it goes just nowhere. immediately good because she's been good and, yep. you know, you can't have... You can't have a good guy kiss a bad guy, and then they turn out to be bad. No redemption arcs in Korra. Um, they do, like, have a redemption arc later. They don't finish it, though. <laughs> That's true. Um, right. So, like we said, now Lynn has failed. A bunch of her uh, cop friends get yeah. captured by Amon. So she, she's got to work outside she, the law. She, res- she resigns. Um... Asami has nowhere to live, so she comes to live with uh, Mako and Bolin at the Air Temple Island. And we've got Team Avatar, because everything's fine now in Episode 8, when extremes meet. Um, and Oh, there's one more thing I want to say about Aftermath, which is the best sure. scene in the episode. Okay. Where Korra goes to the bathroom, the powder room. Yeah. And she just stares intently at the makeup on the <laughs> on the, the counter and then yeah. blasts herself in the face with with the powder. Yep, that is a thing that does happen. <laughs> that's why that's why she can't be, you know. She can't be Jasmine, you know? She has to be Abu or maybe Iago the parrot or something. Oh, my God. Like, she, she's just like, she doesn't understand rich culture or poor culture. She's just like a, from another planet. You know, she's she the genie. Is. She's, yeah, she's the genie. She doesn't understand culture, She's also period. blue and has a ponytail, just like the genie. Yep, she's the genie. I, I can accept this. Um, meanwhile, and Asami is Jasmine, and Mako is canonically Aladdin. <laughs> yes, because he gets called a bending street rat, because Asami's <laughs> mom was also killed by a firebender. Um, yep. But now everyone's on Air Temple Island, Milo has a weird crush on Asami, um, but it kind of reminds me of Aang in this episode, I don't know why, mm. I think it's just his, like, energy. Um... Then uh, Iki outs Korra to Asami is having a big crush on Mako. Doesn't um, really go anywhere. It doesn't really go anywhere. I uh, I do like Korra's reaction to that scene, though. 
Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like a good thunder. example of anime like, face. Yeah, there there are a couple moments in this episode where I like genuinely was amused and like laughed a little, and yeah, they're they're few and far between, so I take them where I can get them. Um, Asami basically doesn't react to this news at all, and is just like, yeah, weird. Okay, anyway. Um, then Tarlock is doing shit because the new police chief is like all up his ass and is like, Tarlock is the greatest man this world has ever seen. He will save us from the evil terrorists. Uh, and Korra's all like pissed off about it. Um, but then like Tarlock brings up the fact that she's like, quote unquote, a half-baked avatar. But like, that's not really a thing because like, you're still the avatar even if you don't know all the elements. But, like, fair enough bringing back the fact that, like, she's supposed to be learning airbending because it's this book just is called Air. so fucking sloppy. Like, you just forgot about this plot point literally since episode two. Yeah. And now you're bringing it back for no reason. Yeah, like, uh, we see, like, because one... Because somebody makes a comment. Right. And, and like, we see... Cora, I think, doing the, the, like, panel training, like, one more time in one of the last seven episodes, but, like, it's not really enough, you know? No. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Then Cora's crying angstily on a cliff, and then we get some sequel shit. Wait, why shit. was she crying? Just because she was insulted? Yeah, like, Tarlock was, like, She wasn't You're... crying because, like... What's his name? Lost his bending or something? Or no, no, she's just crying because like, because Tarlock was like, "You're not even mm. a real avatar. You can't airbend." Ha 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 ha. She's like, "That hurt my feelings." It's like then, I can I can do literally two more bendings than you. Why is but this? Then we get <laughs> we're the new team avatar speech that's totally undercut by the fact that Milo or whatever his name is comes in and Fart farts bending. on everyone's hands. And they just, like, laugh about it. I don't Fart know. Bending. Pretty fucking terrible. Um, then what do you think of Tarlock? Can we... T- I mean, last yeah, time we talked there. about Tarlock, we talked about him for, like, a second. Like, what is Tarlock? I don't know. I, like... In this episode, at least, like, he gets kind of intriguing. In what like, way? I, I don't know. It it ends on a cliffhanger, and like I'll admit, I'm I'm hung. Like I want to know what happens next. Oh, like right. I vaguely he, remember, but like we find out he's a bloodbender in this episode. There's a cool fight, and he can bloodbend without a full moon, which without is a full like moon, which should be impossible. Doesn't mean anything if you didn't watch the original show, but right, you know, we'll get there. But like, why are you watching this if you haven't? Is <laughs> kind of their attitude. Um, right. Yeah, I I don't know. He's I think just this episode is so goddamn weird because it's, very weird. it's like now they're like Batman. Like oh, yeah. they go out on patrol to they... like and like listen to police scanners in their Batmobile mm-hmm. to go and catch criminals for Literally. the police. But they're also their biggest enemy is like the evil police chief guy right. who's like oppressing people. Like it's just a weird-ass episode that doesn't really know what it's doing. No, it's this whole season that doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't know what its message is, because it's, like, it recognizes that it kind of has a point, but then, like, doesn't at the same time and refuses to resolve the fact that, like, the equalists have a point, but, like, right. But it doesn't understand that point at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. 
And, they think you know, that the like, point that the equalists have is that, yes, equality is good. But that's not the point that the equalists have. The point no. that the equalists have is that there's racial oppression going on in the cities. Yeah. And it's fucked that's up. That's the thing. And it's super fucked up. And, yeah, like, the and racial oppression that they show is, like, um, they install a curfew and then they shut off their power so that they'll all go outside and be angry and kind of, mm-hmm. like, loot and riot a little bit. Yeah. So that they can arrest all of them. Yeah. But everyone, like, brings their kids out to riot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I don't think they were trying to riot. I think they were just like, um, hey, we can't be inside. The lights are off. Well, it's definitely more safe to be inside when the lights are off than outside on an unlit street in a poor neighborhood. I mean, maybe. Um, I don't you know. You live in New but... York. You know this. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, Where would you candles. rather be during a blackout? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so you wouldn't bring your kids out onto the street to, like, yell yeah. at police officers. And then the police just start, like, like arrest arresting a thousand people at once. Yeah. Which also isn't how protests work. No. I mean, um, it would if there was bending. Duh. And all that they're protesting is that they shut off their power. They're not, like, actually protesting for their rights or whatever. Right. Like, the the thing about like the red scare, which is what this is trying to evoke, yeah, it's supposed to is be that in the red scare there were communists and then there were people loosely associated with communism, all of whom were targeted basically for having like left of center views, right. um, and expressing those views in in any way possible. And so there would be unions and people would go into the unions and fucking just like arrest tons of people from the unions and convict mm-hmm. them of being like communist terrorists. Or spies. That's McCarthyism. That's the Red Scare. And this is not that. No, it's it's not. It's trying to be, but it's it's like not. This is just a bunch of people are outside after like a racially a racially defined curfew and they're arrested because of their race. So it's a lot closer to like Kristallnacht, like you know, Night of the Long Knives style, like, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it just seems like... It's all it just, just seems very like they messy. fundamentally don't understand what they're doing. No, they they don't. Um, they they don't. Um, so Cora confronts Tarlock after she... After he arrests all her friends, and she tries to show up to intimidate him, and he's like, see, you're just as bad as, uh... As bad as me, using your powers to intimidate people. And Which doesn't like, even make any up. sense because she did not go there to fight Tarlock at all. I mean, and Tarlock throws the first punch. That's true. Um, anyway, they have a cool fight. Tarlock bloodbends and kidnaps her and is taking her somewhere where no one will ever find her again. And that's kind of where more flashback, flashback visions, exposition, flashback foreshadowing, it's foreshadowing of a future flashback. Yeah. Which is a lot. Dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It's very dumb. Um, Yeah, and Cora's still, like, angsty over the fact that she can't connect with the spirit realm and her past lives. And, you know, I I take it back. I said at the beginning of this series that I didn't really like Tenzin. Tenzin's fine. I like Tenzin. Tenzin's great. I just didn't like him in that first episode. He and Cora have a good relationship. It's just, like, the the pacing and the stakes are all 
awful. Yep. And the conflict is poorly defined. That's all there is to it. Yep. This whole this whole recap is pointless because we're just gonna be saying that the whole time. <laughs> well, no, I, I, mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting. The way it's developing is interesting, and like these episodes, they are eventful for sure. Yeah, for sure. Stuff lots is happening. Of things happen, but also lots of things happen in Avatar, and like we're doing something around. Like we just that. we like, there's like character it seems like we should have established who the characters are and what their roles are by now, but we really I know we're 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 ten or we're eight episodes in on um Korra, and it's we have the team first Avatar. season's almost over. And you know, like everyone always says, like oh, well, they only thought they would have one season, so they had to squeeze a lot of stuff in, and they only had ten episodes. But it's like, or or sorry, did they have thirteen episodes? Oh. Hold on. Oh, they had 12 episodes. So, like, you know, we're, we're like, <laughs> ha- uh, two, th- three quarters of the way through this thing at this point, you know? No, are we really? Yeah, we're three Jesus quarters Christ. of the way through season one of Korra. Um, Ugh, oof. We only have four episodes left. And, like, in Avatar, I'd say, you know, we're about maybe halfway through with Jack. Yeah, no, we're we're nine. I think we're literally at the like just past the halfway point of yeah. the season. Yeah. Um so like <laughs> we're at similar places, if not Korra's a little bit farther ahead arc wise of where Avatar was. And like I know so much like I just know nothing about these characters except the weird like fluctuations that happen episode to episode, you know? Like, there's no consistency. Right. Yeah, one episode Mako's really into Korra, the other, the next episode he's not really at all. One episode Bolin is really upset about Korra, the next one he's not. <laughs> right. Like, one episode oppression against non-benders means this, and the other one it means that, and, like, villains right. like, are... like, the gangs, just... I don't think we talk, even mention gangs for the rest of this season. Nope, they're um, never talked like, about again. And now it just becomes the cops are the ones oppressing benders, but maybe they weren't before, and maybe the only reason they are oppressing benders, or non-benders, is because... Of the equalists, and it's like a weird commentary on the cyclical nature of oppression or something. Yeah, but like, it's nothing's clean. Like, nothing makes any sense. It's just simplicity is yeah. not without merit. Um, I, I think it's the main takeaway here. Like, Avatar: The Last Airbender is simple. The characters mm-hmm. fulfill very simple and clear and obvious roles between each other it's a father a a mother and their little kid that they travel around with but they're all basically the same age (laughs) right paternalist the maternalist and the and the the eternal youth yeah um and there's just there's nothing so fundamental in Korra but like because there's not that grounding center of like character Cora is the stubborn one. Mako is the stubborn one. Bolin is the funny one, and Asami uh, is Asami, the flavorless one. Yeah, Asami is the nothing. She's the. I mean, I guess crackers. Bolin is the innocent one. Yeah. Compared to Mako being the experienced one, and Cora being the question mark. It's just not. It doesn't form a trio of any kind. No, so like you're the left characters. Just with like, 
They don't play off of each other in any meaningful way, basically. So all you're left with is plot. And there yeah. is plot happening, but it's not like... But it's messy. I'm really holding on to the mystery. Like, it, maybe if they played up the mystery of, like, who is Amon more... Yeah. But, but they, they don't. Didn't. They're just like, we have to stop He's him. He's a terrorist. Amon yeah. is Amon. Who cares like, who I, he is? Do you remember in, like, Teen Titans, like, there was a huge mystery of, like, who is Slade? Right. That mystery never gets revealed because Slade actually is just Slade. That's mm-hmm. just his first name. Mm-hmm. There's no mystery there. But they just played it up like it was a mystery, and so you, you care. Yeah. It, I think that's a really good um, parallel to sort of draw to Amon. Because yeah. it is this Amon evil Amon is a villain. guy in a mask, so we inherently want to know who he is. But the answer is it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Um, maybe it'll matter next week. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Um, You'll have to check us out next time on Avatar The Last Korra. Flamio. Flamio, my good hot man. Bye-bye. Bye.